What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everybody. Hey, this is the show where we talk about all the biggest Apple news. And yes, we are kind of still in that lull of the season, but we got some hot stuff coming out because obviously we know that Apple's AR VR headset is just on the cusp of coming out sometime in the first half of this year. So we've got some good reports about that. Some new interesting things about AirPods Pro and the latest iPhone chatter stuff, which you all care about. But first of all, let's just get to some orders of business really quickly. First of all, you want to be a part of this show. I love it when you call in. All you got to do is record a voice memo, set it into applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z, your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about, your questions, your thoughts, provoking or not. Whatever you want, all you got to do is send it in. I would love to hear from you to be a part of this show. So applebitsshow at gmail.com is all you have to do. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you support all my content. So that includes really indirectly my videos, but really this podcast specifically. What do you get? You get early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show. No ads whatsoever. You will not hear this at all. We also have coming up a Zoom, our monthly Zoom call, and then uh, you know some little behind-the-scenes things of what I've been up to and what I'm cooking for all you. So patreon.com slash Tong is how you support. Starts at $2, $5, $10, the $25, or the $100 platinum Apple level, and I continue to thank you for all of your support. So yeah. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, let's jump into the stories here and not too much heavy stuff, but I think what the most interesting stuff here are two reports that are talking about specifically Apple's new mixed reality headset. Now, one of them is from our friend Mark Gurman from Bloomberg, and the other one is from the New York Times. And recently, Mark Gurman reported that Apple has now officially showcased its mixed reality headset to some of the company's top 100 executives in the Steve Jobs Theater. So that is the location where I've been to get previews and first looks of Apple's latest announcements uh, over at WWDC and the September fall event, which Apple does. And what they're saying is that this is a big moment for Apple and gathering this many key executives together is a key milestone ahead of its public announcement, which is now, as of now, planned for June, which would line up with WWDC. And this event was intended to just really kind of rally Apple's top members of staff. This has been a really top secret project from a standpoint of not everyone has touched it. Everyone's heard about it. Everyone's curious about what is Apple's AR VR vision. Now, senior Apple executives have reportedly been able to get a peek of the headset every year since 2018. But those demos were a lot more discreet, and this was a lot more widespread and more significant event for this Apple headset, almost like an internal launch. But again, there's still plenty of challenges that I have talked about, reservations that I have. Obviously, the biggest one is the device reportedly starting around $3,000. The device maybe not necessarily showing off a clear killer app until we see one from Apple. The requirement that it looks like it will require some sort of an external battery that'll need to be attached to the headset and potentially put in your pocket and tethered to it and potentially replaced every few hours. 
and then maybe even launching with limited content. We've heard about potentially using your fingers as a virtual keyboard in the air. There will be no type of physical controllers with this, a super high-fidelity 4K visuals in the headset, um, reportedly using some of Sony's own chips to produce the highest quality image fidelity in a VR headset that we have seen to date. Uh, We will see about that. And look, I'm not saying it's going to bomb, but I think this is, if you look at this project very early on as more similar to an Apple watch, where to be honest, the Apple watch already even had an established market. The Apple watch came to be because there was a Kickstarter project which was, um, oh my gosh, am I going to forget the name of it? I'm going to forget the name of it, but it was a, a smartwatch, and it was just a mono, monochrome two-tone screen, not the Pebble watch, but it was a watch. Maybe it was. My brain is slipping me now. But at the time, it was the number one most funded project on Kickstarter. I think it was somewhere around 100 plus million. Part of my brain thinks it might have been even around 170 million, because you remember these random factoids from way back. And that got the attention that, hey, there is interest in a market for smartwatch. You saw companies like Samsung, LG, and Apple all put those out. So at least there had been shown a generated level of interest. We've seen AR and VR headsets out for years now, and they have built a little bit of a niche market, but nothing where you could say this is truly becoming a category or a space that is successful When we had Mark Gurman here on the show, we talked about how this is Apple's biggest risk because this is a market that clearly hasn't been defined yet to truly be a market that needs to be fulfilled by consumers. And it's not like there's this void where everyone is really yearning for this. But if strategically, Apple looks at this more as, hey, we're trying to enter in this market to be a player, to see how it evolves, contribute to its evolution. And maybe we'll hit on those features or those use cases that haven't been hit on yet. And then we will be the platform that helps usher in this era even more because we're Apple. If that's what they're hoping to do, I think they can accomplish that. But from a sales perspective, I don't know if they're going to be able to accomplish that. Now, a second report from the New York Times did multiple interviews with roughly eight current and former Apple employees that spoke exclusively to the New York Times anonymously. And the biggest thing that came out of this story is that some of Apple's own employees that either worked on the project internally or work for Apple in general are seriously concerned about this mixed reality headset as the announcement draws closer because they're concerned about how useful this will be. And then the number one thing everyone thinks about is the price point. $3,000 for mixed reality headset. Oculus Quest 2, $399. Apple Reality Pro headset, $3,000. I don't care what you do. Even look at the competitive landscape of where our eyeballs are, whether it's on our phone, whether it's game consoles, whether it's on tablets, whether it's on PC gaming, and you're telling me that this $3,000 device is going to have to take my attention from streaming content, playing or making videos on my computer, using my iPhone for social media, playing video games. It's it's hard to think about how it can carve something so unique. But 
Again, that's what makes this fascinating for us to figure out. Now, internally, the New York Times report says initial enthusiasm around the device has now turned towards more skepticism and the change of tone is different from what Apple has done in the past, even with its own employees. Look, Let's just even look at someone like Meta, the powerhouse driving force of trying to force and really push this next era of a digital connection and digital society and avatars and marketplace and yada, yada, yada. Now, you talk to 100 people on the street. Let's just say, let's just talk to 10 of your friends today. Techie or not, I, I, I don't think there's a large majority of people that say, I need this, right? There's a difference between a need and a want. Like, you could say, okay, we don't need any of the tech we have. Yeah, you're right. But today, it's, it's pretty much a need to have a phone. And I know this is just step one of ushering this idea of virtual, super slim, augmented reality framed glasses. That's the, the grail of where they're trying to go and they need to be part of this. But internally, even Apple employees are not that excited about it. Mere, and one of the big reasons is because what is it actually going to do? Will people buy it at this price? The great, the big thing about this that I think is if you look at the long tail or the long run of the strategy of all the companies out there, Apple is one of those few that has the resources, that has the billions of dollars to play this long game and in the end be whatever this ends up morphing to be. I'm, I'm curious what happens. So, you know, other features, a lighter carbon fiber frame. This whole hip-mounted battery thing, and maybe it'll make the headset a lot lighter. Obviously, the Quest Pro, or not the Quest Pro, scratch that. The Quest 2 is light enough, but again, I I spend tops 15, 20 minutes in that thing, tops. So there's some real concern, and I don't think this is any type of negative spin. I think this legitimate, you know, internally, if they're feeling this way, Guess what? I remember talking to employees at Meta when Meta was really pushing for this whole new thing. And they're like, hey, this is Mark's vision for the future. We got to go along with it. And I know a lot of people that work internally with Meta. And yes, they are having massive layoffs as well. But before the layoffs, people that are getting a nice fat check from Facebook, and that's okay, whether you agree or disagree with their policies and how they manage um, you know, their platform. But for them to be very lukewarm or asking, what do you think about this? Yeah, I know, you know, they're, they're not, they weren't excited about it internally because no matter how cool or the idea of a tech platform is, sometimes you got to listen to your gut and what makes sense to you. And if it doesn't make sense to 70 or 80% of people in a room, maybe you just understand that if you are pursuing this, you're, you're not appealing to them but with the hopes that one day this can morph. It's, I just, especially with everything that's happened now, people are now, plenty of people in the tech sector are losing their jobs. Do you think they really care about a $3,000 headset right now? And those are the kind of the early adopters that are going to help really push this? I don't know. It remains to be seen. So I've always been lukewarm on it, but I've been intrigued. And I've said that from day one, and it's just interesting to hear reports or maybe not, I don't want to say comforting, but it's nice to know that people have a conscience internally and are even thinking, is, is this really going to be the thing? 
We will see. A thing coming up, Mark Gurman also talked about in his recent reports, iOS 17 coming soon, but not anytime soon. We're expecting to see iOS 16.4 actually officially roll out pretty soon. The beta has been out. We're expecting to see that. But iOS 17 to provide potentially several most requested features. And what had happened is previously we have been looking and talking about iOS 17 is more of like, oh, under the hood upgrades. Think of it as like a fine tuning, similar to how maybe Mac OS 10 has been. But now, according to German, iOS 17 is now expected to boast several nice to have features, even if it lacks like a big tent pole improvement like the lock screen or the dynamic island integration. The goal of the software is codenamed Dawn, and it's trying to check off some of the several users' most requested features, but we don't know what those features are per se. I mean, I, I will tell you the number one feature that I want to see in just general for iOS, but this is more specific to iPads, is multi-user support, and I want to be able to see landscape support on all phones to be used, whether it's vertical or landscape. Those are two things that have eluded Apple for years that are easy to do. And I get it. They want everyone to buy their own iPad, but I think we're at a saturation point of whether or not they release multiple user capabilities on an iPad or not. That's not going to drastically change the current trajectory and sales of what they are now. I think that market has been pretty much settled. So we'll expect to see iOS 17 previewed at Apple's event. I also thought what's kind of nice is we're about six months in since the latest iPhone 14 Pro lineup came out with the Dynamic Island. And finally, I've talked about it a lot, the Dynamic Island and live activities on your lock screen are finally coming into shape and actually now starting to deliver on some of the promises of what we hoped. So remember the Dynamic Island showing multiple apps working or you know sports scores or ride share status. For finally, this specifically, maybe the past few weeks, it started to really grow and now feel a little more organic. I'm getting NBA scores that I can show on the lock screen that are up to date and on top of the Dynamic Island when I'm using the phone. I recently pulled up a lift. The lift, you know, ride shares for the longest time haven't really been active yet. Um, I can't remember if they flipped the switch for Uber, but at least for Lyft this past week, I finally took one and it showed the little car and like a time duration of when it would arrive. And then on my actual lock screen, there was like a dot and kind of showed an estimated progress and the destination. I was like, oh, wow, my phone is starting to feel a lot more alive and interesting and useful. And so I'm liking that. it doesn't feel like it's revolutionized anything, but it does feel like, okay, iOS 16, the promise of what we have six months later now is starting to come into shape. And I do like it. It it, it feels like I'm getting these extra bells and whistles that I've been waiting for. So, so very nice. Ming-Chi Kuo, Apple analyst and a rumor leaker reporter, says the AirPods Pro with USB-C charging case will launch later this year. So Apple is planning to release second gen AirPods Pro with a USB-C charging case later this year, with shipments expected to begin sometime in the second to third quarter, according to Ming-Chi Kuo. So they did launch in September of 2022, AirPods Pro 2, one of the best products that Apple has released in a long time. It was my product of the year for Apple in 2022. 
MKBHD, Marquez Brownlee jumped on the podcast we talked about, it, and it was both of our best product for Apple for 2022 without knowing what we had picked. Um, but it did originally come with a lightning charging case. So this updated version would finally bring USB-C. There's no reports on whether any additional hardware changes are planned, but this could be coming within the first half of the year. Uh, also, we talked about AirPods Pro, but Apple will reportedly also not release a USB-C version of AirPods 3. Of How fun is that? Can we, can we just get USB-C on all of them? I guess not. So AirPods 3 will reportedly stick with a lightning connection. <laughs> AirPods Pro 2 will get a second generation version. We don't know if there's any other hardware changes, but the biggest change will be a USB-C port for charging as well. Woo! Are y'all happy about that? Okay. iPhone 15 Pro leak reveals what we have talked about for Erver new CAD images because we start from the leaks and then we get all the features that we know and then we get the CAD versions of this and then we get the physical 3D model versions of it and then we finally get the official version and by that time it happens, we know 99.9% of everything that's going to be on the phone. But previous rumors have talked about how the next gen iPhone 15 Pro and iPhone 15 Pro Max will feature this unified volume button and a mute button. So what do I mean by unified? A single volume button rocker for up and down, not two separate buttons. And instead of that little switch that you pull forward or back for the mute button, it'll be a physical push mute button. The cat designs were leaked. The iPhone looks pretty much the same. I, you know, I gotta say, we all know this, but the iPhone 15 looks like the 14, looks like the 13, looks like the 12. I mean, whatever the 16 is, I'm hoping we see something, at least from a design standpoint, that's a little more exciting. And I'm not saying that a design always matters, but after four years, you better hit me with something on the fifth year. Also, this year's iPhone 15 models will include a dynamic island that now unifies the pill and the whole cutouts at the top of the display. Um, also, according to reports, the proximity sensor on the iPhone 15 series will be integrated inside the dynamic island area instead of sitting below it. And, the, you know, the uh, proximity sensors, when you hold it close to your face, the screen turns off and it turns black. And so maybe it'll help be related to improvements in face ID. We'll see, but the report is at least the dynamic island. They don't say it'll be any smaller, but it'll be at least redesigned a little bit in these new iPhone 15 models because iPhone 15, 15 Plus, 15 Pro, and 15 Pro Max are all expected to be using the dynamic island in 2023. All right, two more quick stories, just semi-related to what Apple is doing. We know that outside of devices, it's all about Apple services. It's all about content. And when I talk about content, oh, have you? are you all watching Ted Lasso? Are you all watching Shrinking? Shrinking's really good. Well, Apple is reportedly planning to release movies in theaters and increase spend to $1 billion per year. So one of the best movies of, was it two years ago? Was Coda. If you haven't seen it, and it's you, you better watch on Apple TV. I was uh, 
my eye, there were a lot of onions in the room when I watched Coda. But Apple is planning to invest and increase their spend to one billion dollars for billion dollars for year for content. And when the service first came out, I said if they could be the HBO Max of PG thirteen content, there's a space for that. And they absolutely have. They have crushed it. I think from a unique standpoint of content, you know, I feel like when I watch Netflix, there's just so much stuff now. 90% of the stuff, I just end up going, ah, I'm, I'm good. I don't know if it's almost like there's just too much. It's not focused. It's all over the place. But when I go to Apple's service, there are less shows and less piece of content, but they're all pretty dang good quality. And a lot of my favorite shows have originated from Apple TV Plus that are really memorable to me. HBO Max and Apple TV Plus are probably the two services where I really, really enjoy the content. And I'm not trying to be all snooty. Like, you know, if you like reality content and stuff like, look, who doesn't like Love is Blind on Netflix? I do. But there's just, whenever I go to Netflix, there's not something I'm always, 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 always watching or have to watch. I'm just like, well, I'll see what's there. And sometimes there's a documentary and sometimes there's a comedy show and sometimes there's a series. But in general, other than Stranger Things, I and and I'll be real, and Love is Blind, don't judge until you haven't seen it. Unless you've seen it, uh, there's not much that I... Oh, Cobra Kai as well. Those, are, But Cobra Kai is coming into a wrap pretty soon. So, yeah. Apple TV Plus, I think they've really found a really nice niche there. And then also... Apple TV Plus shares their 2023 Friday Night Major League Baseball schedule. Friday Night Baseball returns in April, but initially games were free to watch last season as they piloted it. They showcased it off. Well, an Apple TV Plus subscription is now required with U.S. pricing start at $6.99 per month or $69 per year to watch the game. So Friday Night Baseball will include two live MLB games each Friday through the 2023 regular season. You can stream them up to stream them in 60 countries and regions up from 13 last season. So they've increased that April 7th. will start the season Chicago Cubs and the Texas Rangers. Pretty nice. I, I love what they've done with that. I would like to see NBA. I wouldn't mind seeing NBA games on Apple TV. Even just the fidelity of the broadcast is really nice. So, I'm curious. Maybe some of you baseball fans aren't too hot on it. I think it's great. I like the overlays. I just like the really clean view and clean interface. It's just nice to look at. And I'm not even the biggest baseball fan, but I really like what they're doing. And I hope that we see more sports. And as we've seen, Apple just really, really invest in the platform. All right, everybody. That's a quickie of a show just because that's what's happening around the world of Apple. I mean, I tried to record this on Friday and during that time, there was a two power outages in two hours when I was recording the podcast and I waited to come up. Power came up. Okay, let's go again. Started recording again. Power went out. I'm like, okay, screw this. But it, it honestly allowed for a few more stories to come out over the weekend to even give us enough solid content to talk about. So look, this is a weekly show. I don't force it if there's not enough stories, but you know, Ideally, it is a weekly show, but sometimes I have kind of pushed it out just because I want to at least deliver enough stuff for you. So there you go. That's the news for this week. You know what to do. Same bat time, same bat channel. We will be here, but we also got to give thanks to our Patreon supporters at the $100 Platinum Apple level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Michael Gigliotti, Atari Koenigsegg, and Glenn Canellis. 
Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you to all of you for your support. And we will see you next week. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. <laughs>